Morning, morning. It's good to be here. Uh, was, like um, Jerry said, you know, it's, uh, this is my home church. This is where I grew up. This is what I uh, always come back to. You know, uh, but it's, I haven't been here on a regular basis for uh, a long time. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, as I was preparing for the message that it's been about 28 years uh, since, uh, you know, when I left for college and, and seminary and, and the ministry and so on. And uh, so it's been a long while since I've been here, but, you know, I still consider this to be my home church, a place where I was shaped. This is a formative place for me. This is where I was spiritually uh, formed and shaped by uh, some of the folks sitting here in the congregation. Uh, this is where I went to Sunday school, youth group, uh, even taught some Sunday school myself. And so it's a really important place spiritually. It was also a place where that supported me, you know. Uh, when I was going through seminary, um, the, this church always provided a scholarship for me to help pay for some of my tuition. And, but most of all, really, um, this church prayed for me, you know. And uh, I, I think that's one of the most important things that helped me get through some of the tough times, go, going through school and getting ready to go into the ministry and so on. Um, but not only is this place important to me spiritually as kind of a, 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 the people of God, but also this place holds a special place in my heart in that it was in this building that I was baptized. Uh, my wife, my daughters too, baptized in that baptismal. Uh, I was uh, married here 20 years and one month ago, and um, I was ordained here into the ministry. So this place holds a special place in my heart. I was even in my Air Force career um, four years ago. We did a, my last promotion ceremony in this place. So this building marks a special place in my memory and in the things that I've gone through. So uh, we're really excited to be back in this area. Um, I'm stationed here now at the Pentagon. And so hopefully I'll be able to be here a little more regularly and kind of see you and get to know you a little bit more. But uh, we're excited about being here and excited to be here this morning to get to share the Word of God together. And so as we get ready to go into the Word, let's, um, we're going to be reading from Joshua chapter 3. And if you want to just follow along, I think it's going to be up on the screen as well. Joshua chapter 3, I'm reading from verses 7 through 17. And so that's where we're going to start and we'll kind of go through this message here. Um, so Joshua chapter 3, verses 7 through 17. So here's the reading of God's Word. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, it is its waters flowing downstream, will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam, in the vicinity of Zarathon. 
while the waters flowing down to the sea at Arabah, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry land. Let us pray. Father God, we pray that you'll be with us here today in this time as we go through your word. And Lord, despite my words, I pray your words will be proclaimed and that though there may be many distractions, that you will focus our hearts to what you have to say to us today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as you heard, I'm part of the, I'm in the military. I'm a chaplain, an active duty chaplain in the Air Force. And uh, for those of you who are familiar with military, you know that we move around a lot. We go from place to place in a lot of unfamiliar places. And so one of the things that the military does, uh, at least in the Air Force, what, what we do is we have this program that's usually called Right Start whenever we get to a new base. Um, it's like usually a day or two where we um, break away from our workstations, we get together, and they go through briefing after briefing. You know, the, the wing commander will come out and, and kind of in- welcome you to this new place, and um, various agencies will hold briefings and tell you about what's going on, what's, what's available in the area. So, you know, sometimes services will tell you about the, the neat things you can do in the area. Um, the hospital will come out and make sure that your insurance was moved to the right place, and, you know, we have, hold a chapel briefing, too. Uh, a few years ago, I was filling in for the chaplain that was do, do, normally does these briefings, and I gave the chapel briefing. And, you know, I thought I did a pretty good job, right? You know, I led with a joke, kind of get people loosened up. I told them the information they needed to know, and then I um, kind of kept it interactive so that they had, if they had any questions, they could ans- ask those questions. But what was interesting is at the end of the briefings, um, they sent you um, the report of all the critiques that they gave. And, uh, you know, my report came out pretty, you know, average. In fact, the scores that I got were kind of low, lower than I expected, so I was a little bit disappointed, but Jim, the guy who runs these briefings, you know, he tried to comfort me by saying, you know, chaplain, don't worry about it. You know, this group, they were a pretty tough group. They, they were pretty critical with everyone, and everyone got lower scores than they normally do. And, you know, this is not your regular gig. This is not what you do on a regular You do what you're just stepping in, so, you know, don't worry about it. Besides, public speaking isn't for everyone. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm a preacher. That's my job. <laughs> the only excuse I had was the fact that the guy who came before me was awesome. I mean, he's every single briefing that he does, people just rave about him. He, he's funny, he's exciting. And, and so I, I knew that following someone like that you know, it's, you know I, I pale in comparison, so I was kind of ready for it. But, you know, the truth is, it's hard to follow someone who's really good at what they do. Someone who's been gifted. Someone who's been called. Someone who, who's been placed in front like Moses, who led the people of Israel out of slavery. For Joshua to follow someone like that, it's a tough job. And God, knowing that, we hear in Scripture that God promises Joshua that I'm going to elevate you and I'm going sh- to bless you and your leadership. I'm going to show the people that I'm with you as well, just like I was with Moses. And so that's what God does, right? They get, to the, they get up to the river's edge of the Jordan River. They're on one side and on the other side is the promised land. 
And so what God does is as soon as the priests step into the water, the water stops. They have dry land for the whole nation of Israel to cross. And they enter the promised land. Now, those of you who have been in the church for a while or have seen the movies, you know that this wasn't the first river crossing that the people of Israel encountered, right? Uh, and this was not even the first time they tried to go into the promised land. This attempt to go into the promised land, to, to cross a river, was 40 years in the making. And though it may sound crazy that um, people would not want to go into the promised land, into the land flowing with milk and honey, the first time they tried to do this, the people said, no, we don't really want to. It took 40 years for the people of Israel to get to the place where they're going to cross into the promised land. You know, it's, it's hard to believe that they would prefer slavery or the desert or the wilderness over the land flow with milk and honey. But, you know, the reality is, a lot of times, we're not comfortable going from what's familiar to us to what's unfamiliar. To, to go from where we know where things are to a place where things are unknown. A place where we're used to doing the things on a regular basis. To trying something new, a new routine, a new, new place. It's hard to go from what's known to the unknown, from familiar to the unfamiliar, to the, from what you're used to, to what's new. Even when we know what's new and unfamiliar and unknown is better for us. I was reminded of a, a friend of mine this past week in the conversation that, you know, I had this friend, um, he, he was a meat and potatoes guy. I mean, I'm not talking about just kind of, you know, like as a kind of general reference. I mean, literally, he only ate meat and potatoes. <laughs> I mean, he tell, I remember him telling the story, you know, when he was growing up, his mother forced him to eat vegetables but, and he said, when I get to be on my own, I will never eat vegetables again. And he did. I mean, literally, he just eats meats and potatoes. It was incredible. And, you know, the thing is, in the Air Force, we have this annual physical. We call it a PHA. And uh, I think it's like physical health assessment. And, you know, we fill out some forms of, you know, how we're doing, how much time we're exercising. And then you know, we meet with some medical folks, and they kind of give us advice on kind of things that we should stop doing, things we should be doing. And, and each year, my friend goes to the doc for his PHA, and the doc says, you know what? You need to eat some more vegetables. You know, we recommend at least five servings of vegetables a day. And my friend's like, I know that's what you say, but I like my meat and potatoes. This diet's been working for me for 30 years. I'm not changing now, even though I know it's better. You know, um, it's hard to cross from what we know, what we're used to, to what we don't know, and what we're not, um, what's unfamiliar. And maybe some of you are facing this kind of situation right now, you know, where you have a decision to be made, an action to be taken, yet it's unfamiliar to you. You see this barrier in front of you. You see this Jordan River between where you are and where you want to be, and you don't want to cross it. Maybe there's a, a few classes that you need to take to finally finish that degree you've been working on for years, but you just feel too busy to take on another activity in your life. Or maybe 
you're, you have that face-to-face, tough conversation you have to have with your spouse. But, you know, things aren't so bad right now. It's not where you want to be, but you'd rather not rock the boat. So you withhold from having that conversation. Or maybe there's a habit that you really need to break. But you tell yourself, I'm so stressed right now. There's so much going on. If I don't have this crutch, I'm never going to get past this. You know, scholars tell us that the Jordan River in the Bible often represents more than just a physical barrier between two sides. Oftentimes, it also represents a symbolic barrier. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now when we're in those kind of situations where we're in between what's familiar and unfamiliar. That there's a Jordan that needs to be crossed. Some barrier that needs to be conquered. So how do we do that? How do we conquer a Jordan that's in our life? How do we get from here to there? How, from where we are now to where we need to be? Well, I think... Um, Joshua tells us in his story that uh, the first thing we need to do, the first step in crossing a Jordan, is to put God first. Not not rocket science, right? Of course you put God first. But it's true. If you don't do that, it's hard to cross any Jordan that comes in your life. And that's what Joshua tells the people. He says in in Joshua chapter 3, the two verses before what we read earlier, in verse, starting with verse 5, it says, starting with verse 5, it says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. You see, Joshua tells the people of Israel to prepare themselves, consecrate themselves, cleanse themselves, make themselves ready for the presence of God to pass before them. And that's what the Ark of the Covenant represented. That was the presence of God for the people of Israel. And so Joshua tells the people, prepare yourself for the Ark of the Covenant is going to pass on before you and they're going to go ahead of you. The presence of God is going to be in front of you, guiding the way. The priests are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant ahead of you and that's what you're going to follow. And maybe when we face the Jordans in our life, that's what we need to do first. Not only say that we put God first, that God is my pilot, but really put God first in our lives. Prepare ourselves for that moment too, to consecrate ourselves, cleanse ourselves, confess to God that, hey, I am not exactly where I need to be. I need to put you first in my life. And then ask God, what decision, what, where should I go with this decision? You know, that old thing, you know, that people used to say, what would Jesus do? Maybe we ought to ask that question, Jesus, is this the right decision that I need to make? Or is this the right place that I need to be? See, think about what God wants you to do. Put God first. And then surround yourself with the right people. Put the right people in the right places. You know, it's interesting in this story, you hear over and over again Joshua and God saying, hey, pick 12 people, one from each tribe of Israel. And you think that they're going to have this special role in carrying the Ark of the Covenant, but they don't. You know, what happens is the right person, which is the priests who are called to carry the Ark of the Covenant, they're the ones who carry the Ark. And so they put the right people in the right place for the right jobs. Sometimes we say we want change, but we don't do anything about it. You know, we keep the same friends, we keep the same priorities, the same habits in our lives. 
But Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians that we shouldn't be yoked with unbelievers, that we shouldn't be yoked with wrong people, wrong priorities, wrong habits in our lives, that we need to surround ourselves with good things, the right things. What's good news for us is that finding those good people, good things, is not far off. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer tells us, since therefore, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance for the race marked out for us. Surround ourselves with a great cloud of witnesses. Where are those witnesses? I would argue that there are some here. In fact, for me, they are right here. Many of those people, like the Beckers, the Davises, the, um, the Johnsons, the Friends, the Pruitts, they were my cloud of witnesses as I was growing up, watching them teach me in Sunday school, leading, you know, guiding people where to park, doing the sound systems, greeting people when they come in. They were witnesses in my life on how I should, where I should go. Surround yourselves with the right people. Put God first. And finally, mark your progress. Oftentimes we kind of forget that element, you know. Once we're done with some uh, challenge, we feel like we're just done. Let me get out of here. But you know, it's really important to mark progress. You know, I, I think it's funny. In the military, we do have all these sort of ceremonies, you know. We have award ceremonies and things, and we always mark progress. We, we say, hey, this person accomplished this much, so let's give them a promotion, or let's give them um, this award. We're very good, or medal, you know, so on. It's, I think that's an important thing, and we see that even in Scripture. You know those 12 guys that, we, that God and Joshua kept telling to pick from the tribes? We see that they have a special role in this process as well. They mark the progress. In, in, in chapter 4, in the verses right after the ones we read earlier, it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right from where the priest stood, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament, you see moments like this over and over again, when they cross something giant, where they defeat an enemy uh, army, when when they accomplish something great, they mark that spot, usually with rocks. In fact, there's a story in Samuel, 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel chapter uh, 7. It's a similar thing. This is another, one of those another examples where it says, When Samuel, this, the prophet, had sacrificed the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But at that day, the Lord thundered and allowed thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mitzvah and, and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them all along the way to the point below beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. 
Marking our progress, I think, is an important part of what we do because it reminds us of how God was always with us. I was remembering uh, 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 one of the bases I was stationed at was in Florida, and in, in front of the chapel, they had this, they had this little pile of stones piled up. And one time I asked them, you know, what's that stone all about? And, and uh, the guys who have been there for a while were very happy to tell me that that's, that's our Ebenezer. You know, when we started Operation Iraqi Freedom, we had this ceremony where we set up some stones right here in front of the chapel in Florida. And they, in Iraq, at this base that they were stationed at, they set up another set of stones. And they, they, they said, we did this so that we would remind ourselves that whether we were home in sunny Florida or whether we were out in the desert in sunny Iraq, that we remembered that God is with us. That is our Ebenezer. I think having markers are important because we are so forgetful. We are forgetful people, especially when we come into hard times, especially when we are in the midst of struggle, when there's a Jordan in front of us. We need reminders that God is with us. That God is with us in the past. God helped us conquer that Jordan back then. God will do the same thing in the future. And God is with us now, no matter what challenge comes our way. The good news is, we have an opportunity each week to remember God. To mark our progress in our faith walk, in our journey. We have an opportunity to mark this amazing event, the world's most amazing event that's ever occurred in Jesus Christ through his loving sacrifice on the cross. Through the Lord's Supper, we remember, we mark a moment in life's history, in our history, that says that the past is gone, we are a whole new creation, that whatever we have, may have done in the past, no matter what kind of great presenter or great leader came before us, no matter how insufficient we may feel, God is still with us. God is leading us. God helped us conquer that challenge in the past. God's going to help us face a challenge in the future. We are a new creation, that we have a new start, not just a right start, a new start. And so what we're called to do is to live like people with a new start, like people of the resurrection, Jordan-crossing people who put God first in our life and then surrounds ourselves with right people, the right priorities, the right habits. And I believe that when we do that, the more we do that, the more we will see events that God will do in our lives where we can mark and say, see, again, God did it again. There was a Jordan in front of us, but God allowed that Jordan to be stopped up and we were able to cross to the other side. Let's mark this moment again. We'll have many more of those moments where we can celebrate God's goodness in our lives, where we were able to cross our Jordan. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you're always with us, that you never leave us, that you loved us so much, that you sent your son to come and live among us, to die on the cross for our sins, but not only stay in the grave, but to rise again so that we too may be resurrection people, people who cross Jordans, people who conquer the challenges that are before us. Thank you for your love for us. We pray that you allow us to always put you first and to surround ourselves with the right people, right priorities, right habits.
so they may continually witness to our world your goodness. Thank you for all this, and I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.